Hello and welcome to the Angelist India Radio. Through these conversations, we're taking you inside the minds of great investors, experienced founders and talented experts. Angelist India pioneered new concepts in startup fundraising and investing for India. You can find out more about us on angel.co/india. Let's dive in. Kunal, it's an absolute delight to have you on the Angelist India Radio. You're truly one of those personas that we love at Angelist India. And by that I mean you're running a large startup, you support early stage startups by investing in them and fundamentally believe that startups will help make this world a better place. You're one of those rare operator angels in India as well to do this professionally and successfully and also a classic example of how Silicon Valley supports founders investing in founders to produce the best outcomes. You've been doing this for 7 to 8 years I think. Uh so want to hand over the floor to you and just get our listeners acquainted with Titan Capital and its origin stories. How did you get started? Well, thanks Utsav, thanks. Um it's always good to be on and I think you're doing great work with with Angelus and great to be partnering with you on many things. Uh and I think this podcast is also a great initiative. So uh, you know our story um, like with most things in our life are a little little bit of an accident or happenstance um with respect to our investing activities. Um and when I see we when I say we it means Rohit and I um mm-hmm. as we started seeing some entrepreneurial success maybe around 8 9 years ago um and started becoming a little visible uh, many entrepreneurs who were starting to think about um uh, com- uh, starting something or or had already started something they started reaching out to us for mentorship and some of those discussions turned into investment discussions and earlier we would never really meet them from the perspective of investing but then i think uh, we realized we, we realized that we were meeting such incredible people that uh, capital was a key ingredient for them and so we we decided why not just start investing a little bit uh, behind some of these entrepreneurs so we 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 started investing in about 2011 and for a few years it was primarily just reacting to inbounds as much as we could i think in many cases we just could not and over a period of time things snowballed a little bit and we realized that uh, rohit and i just don't have the time to screen and review hundreds of inbounds emails and introductions we were getting every month through linkedin and twitter and what not uh, vcs introducing us to founders so we realized this is not going to uh, be sustainable for us to be screening these so we set up a team uh which is now actually the key driving force behind Titan Capital um fundamentally Rohit and I still think of ourselves as entrepreneurs rather than investors um and 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 I think maybe that's what is attractive to founders uh when they when they choose to work with us true i think i mean so founders investing in founders i think that's truly where the empathy angle comes into the picture do you want to expand on that a little bit by giving us some examples on how founders truly relate to you in some of the investments you've done recently or even in the past sure yeah so look our our objective is that we just want to help entrepreneurs right um, and and founders in their startup journey um when we when we were starting there wasn't this is now 13 years ago there wasn't much of an ecosystem to support entrepreneurs um i wrote a blog about a month ago on linkedin uh, about 
sort of our journey in the beginning uh, and how what the kind of what kind of angel investors we ran into um where they were investing 5 lakh rupees for 60% of the company those were the proposals we were getting come a long way since <laughs> indeed um even i would say even the venture capitalists were figuring out how to help early stage companies in india because many of them had returned from the us i think they were also just finding their feet obviously things have changed tremendously in the last you know 12 13 years and we ourselves as founders have gone through our own experiences of growth challenges opportunities of all kinds this you know for instance going from 0 to 1 hiring the first employee to hiring the thousandth employee raising the first dollar to the billionth dollar acquiring a business to shutting down or selling one or getting the first user to the 100 millionth user amongst others it also figuring out the challenges and insecurities that likely all founders go through whether it is around finding product market fit retaining or replacing talent raising funds or having difficult conversations with institutional investors and board members um you know while we are also learning as operating entrepreneurs there are new types of challenges and opportunities we face in our daily lives many of the challenges that entrepreneurs run into would likely have been faced by us at some point or the other in either our own business or in a business that we've been involved in as an investor i've often found that this is the aspect that most founders we work with or we partner with tend to find uh, very valuable because they understand that when they reach out to us our uh, firstly we are not going to pull out our calculator and figure start figuring out how does this impact our investment because at least the way we invest like no single investment should be so important uh, mm-hmm. that it hampers our objectivity uh, towards mm-hmm. giving the best and the most transparent uh, and objective advice to founders secondly they know that there are significant chances we would have gone through a similar challenge at some point or the other and hence the, having some sort of experience some sort of framework to uh, to give them some guidance we may not have an answer but we may have some indicators as to which direction to go in um i i've seen founders find that uh, tremendously helpful and from us from from our standpoint uh, we feel that you know outside of capital obviously there are many sources of capital uh, available for the best founders uh, in in india now particularly at the early seed stages but we feel that it would be a shame for founders to make the same mistakes again and again and again that people like us have already made and if we can help them make you know out of 10 mistakes they were going to make if we can help them make five less mistakes that's great because their business will move faster they will have less pain and fatigue they will lose less money um i feel that those aspects tend to be very valuable for founders No so you mentioned the whole spectrum of experiences that you've gone through of course raising capital shutting down selling businesses and of course uh, growing and raising your own venture capital bank and so all of these things i think are a sort of a bouquet of services which or experiences that the founders can come to you and titan capital for and pick upon and through this angelist india radio we want to over the as we progress as a podcast series i want to bring all of these stories out and all of these mistakes that have been made by other people and how founders and even investors can actually learn from so coming back to titan capital right huge portfolio i've been interacting with you and bipin uh, over the last uh, sort of 
few years and you've, I think, got over 120 investments now at Titan Capital. And some of the big breakouts which have come out, I think, which stand out are Urban Company, Ola Cabs, Mama Earth. When you were investing in them, did they seem like obvious opportunities to you at that time? Or were they just a founder bet? Or what was your rationale behind uh, investing in those companies? I think every every company we would have invested in, um, the ones that you would widely hear about or those you wouldn't have heard about or those are very recent, uh, all of them have some interesting story uh, attached to them. So if we've invested in 120, 130 companies, I'm sure if you picked any name, uh, we could talk talk for a few minutes about the origin story of that company, of our investment. Let's pick Urban Company or Ola Cabs. <laughs> Yeah, sure. So, you know, with Urban Company, we had met Abhiraj, Varun, Raga very, very early. I think they were, alongside this, were also considering putting screens at the back of the seats on uh, intercity buses. Right. So I think they were sort of toggling these two ideas. And given we were ourselves building a marketplace for products, this is 2013-14, uh, uh, we did believe that a marketplace or services would be of great value. We obviously, as Snapdeal, started as a couponing platform. So we had some experience with marketplace for services, just different kinds, uh, restaurants, spas, salons. Um, but uh, so we, we, we thought that, you know, services is a pretty large part of the economy and uh, discovery is always a challenge. And the same way we were aiding discovery of physical products and merchants of physical products, they could do the same for services. But look, the, the idea, our thesis was pretty much at that level and maybe just a little bit more. But the way that they have executed is absolutely incredible and how they've been able to bring so much predictability to an otherwise low trust set of services is quite amazing. And just to give an example, um, last week I was out, uh, out of town uh, and I decided I'll get my house painted because I didn't want to be in the house when... Um, when the painting was happening, I have small kids and just for safety reasons. Mm-hmm. And when I returned home after a week, there wasn't a, a drop of paint and Urban Company did, did the painting. There wasn't a drop of paint where it shouldn't have been or a wall hanging that wasn't perfectly aligned. I mean, imagine I opened my house up to painters and everything was done perfectly and every decision was taken remotely, the shade and the coat and how long it'll take and whatnot. I mean, we, we could never imagine that uh, up till Urban Company came along. So so I think that um, it seems like an obvious opportunity now. It wasn't very obvious back in 2013, 14, but we did see that there was an uh, opportunity for marketplace for services. I think Ola was also interesting. Uh, I remember I was at a, some conference. This is when we were still doing coupons on Snapdeal. We hadn't started pivoted to doing products in 2011 I was and we were selling some travel deals etc so I was speaking at some travel conference in in Bombay and uh, while coming out of the conference uh, venue uh, Bhavish was wearing a school bag and he approached me and he said oh are we doing this like this is very interesting I had no idea what was Uber Uber wasn't even very popular in mid 2011 at least not in India and then he was visiting Delhi a few weeks later and we sat in a conf- in a cafe coffee day behind my house and we talked about it. I think they were doing like five rides a day at that point in time. And all the bookings were mostly over the phone. And 
you know, back then only there were only these Kali Pili or black yellow taxis, and none of these millions of white Swift desires and Hyundai accents were buzzing around our cities. So one could have never imagined that there would be this whole industry that will get created of uh, these white cars uh, that are ferrying millions of people every day. And uh, as I said, Uber Uber wasn't that big either. And I think they were only doing black cars, maybe even in the US. So that wasn't really a proxy that one could look to. Um, I don't think I the word Uber also probably didn't even come up. Because at that time, Ola was mostly doing intercity, not intracity. But Bhavish had a, you know, this uh, searing fire in his eyes that one couldn't uh, look past. And to be honest, um, you know, we could never have imagined uh, uh, that uh, one day they would be doing millions of rides a day. Um, I think the third one you mentioned was Mama Earth. That's a fun story uh, where... You know, many of our consumer investments, we've done lots of, like dozens of consumer investments, uh, direct-to-consumer brands, many, many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been fortunate that almost all of them have done quite well. Uh, I think they, most of our consumer investments uh, ideas are out of just being keen observers of life around us. And about three years ago, uh, both Rohit and I, I mean, we still have small kids, but they were even smaller and I had only one. Uh, now I have two and we were we've both been over the last five seven years have been going through this this big life stage event of uh, having children and them growing up and figuring out what all you need as children grow up and one day I came home and I just saw a bottle of shampoo sitting in my uh, in my daughter's uh, shower and I think it was sitting outside her shower that's why I noticed it and mm-hmm. I asked my wife what is what is this she said, I just bought it, you know, I I was asking around on Facebook as to what are baby-friendly shampoos. And all the, many people recommended Mama, so I just ordered it. And, uh, and I said, okay, interesting. So I looked at the back of the label and there was a phone number. And I just picked up the phone and called, uh, called them. And Varun picked up the phone. Varun is the founder of Mama Earth. Mm-hmm. And I think they had like some eight or nine people in the company uh, you know fast forward a few days later we got uh, Varun came in for a meeting I think within one meeting it was very clear that we were going to invest in this company so amazing what year was this this is uh, this must be 2017 I think so they had just started I think they were I remember when we invested they were doing maybe uh, I think between five or seven lakhs of uh, sales a, a day uh, a, a month, sorry, five to seven lakhs of sales a month. My, I think, I mean, without revealing their their numbers, I think they must be doing that much sales in a few minutes nowadays. <laughs> no, Mama, I mean, as they have, I don't know how many triple digit, high triple digit number of SKUs. They're all over the place, and it's in a great way. I think the products are amazing. I use some of them as well, and uh, I think they've covered the full spectrum. So across this large portfolio that you have a Titan capital of over 130 investments and the three that we've mentioned, what is the one or two lowest common denominator uh, sort of characteristics that you've seen, uh, which have helped you become this large and successful uh, in sort of uh, this portfolio at Titan Capital? Sure. So, you know, fundamentally, the stage at which we invest is a is a bet on the founders and what the business can become in the future. So there is a bit of crystal ball gazing 
that is usually at play. Um, also, after the initial phase of investment and in building the early team and getting to some kind of escape velocity in customer traction, it becomes critical to see if the unit economics of the business are working out or not. Now, when the revenues are zero, one can assume that you know there's no way you can figure out whether the unit economics will work or not. Um, however, as there are as some data starts coming in, our view is the only definition of product market fit is the ability to generate positive unit economics by the business. Now, one will always hear examples of companies that didn't care for unit economics and yet were very successful outcomes. But we don't believe that those are the examples that uh, every startup, every founder should follow. Um, the chances of building a lasting, enduring company, the probability of building your own lasting, enduring company will go up uh, only if you have a clear path of being completely self-reliant from a capital standpoint, which cannot happen without positive unit economics. Because we don't, if you don't generate positive unit economics, how are you going to pay for all your other expenses? So I would say the the founders, the uh, taking some sort of view on how big can this opportunity become and the ability to generate unit economics of that business model would be the three three key attributes that we've seen across all the companies. Interesting. I think that's a key valuable insight. So, I mean, given that starting up, of course, comes uh, goes hands in hand with sort of the number of angel investors also popping up in an ecosystem. And that's happening as we see uh, uh, stats on Angelist India as well. And people are starting up their investing journey as well. So what are some of the key pitfalls to avoid if you want to highlight like one or two or three of them uh, to anyone who's starting in the startup investing journey? Yeah, I think firstly, I think it's a good trend that um, startup investing, angel investing, seed investing is all becoming mainstream. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone is recognizing that uh, it's a value creation, value creation activity for both sides. Um, however, you know, it's honestly very hard to give a recipe given uh, at this stage, at the earliest stages where you're writing the first check into a company, uh, it is mm-hmm. a highly instinct-based form of investing because there's rarely any data. And our instincts are uniquely shaped by our specific experiences and personalities. That said, um, in response to your question, if one is just getting started in making some early stage in, uh, investments, it's best to identify what is your strength as an investor that top entrepreneurs or the best, the most high potential entrepreneurs would find attractive about you. And then try to tag along with investors through let's say the Angelist platform or, um, or other friends who may be more seasoned uh, early stage investors who have a lot of experience in making early stage investments. Right. Um, Because as you said, uh, there are so many people who are now showing up to invest in uh, these early stage companies that over a period of time uh, and soon enough, I think uh, entrepreneurs will say, look, I have a lot of people offering me capital. What's so special about you? Right. And so that's more on how do you get yourself to be how do you get get into some of these good companies uh, financing rounds. I think the other other element is the how do you pace yourself? I think doing one or two investments over a couple of years isn't a strategy that will work. There's a very low likelihood I feel that will succeed. 
ideally one should aim to make four to five investments a year even if these are very small checks but keep doing them for at least three to three years until then until you do this you won't understand why you're succeeding where you're succeeding and why you're losing money where you're losing money i feel that one or two investments over a couple of years are too few data points to give you any sort of pattern about what is working or what is and why and what is not working and why absolutely so no uh yeah it's a grand slam business and i think people should sort of be focused on i mean because like you said in the past that it's very tough to predict what's going to succeed at the earliest stages right you're playing at the highest uh, risk sort of uh, stages and uh, people have to take so many shots at uh, being successful in this uh, game as well but also support their entrepreneurs in different ways and i think it's a question which entrepreneurs are increasingly asking that what's your value add that are you really just $1 for $1 or does your capital bring some knowledge or weight to my cap table as well and i i mean with this i think uh, just zooming out indian ecosystem's time has come and i think people are on the fence i think pandemic is uh, putting a lot of uh, introspection into play in sort of the founders who are looking to start up really soon how would you tell them that this is the time like how would you convince them that this is the time to be just taking that plunge well i i feel that if you have an idea um mm. uh, and you feel you have an idea and are no longer able to sleep because you can't think stop thinking about it then you know you should be dropping someone like me or our team an email um but chances are we'll give you the money to go pursue your dreams um you know i feel that we have now entered the golden age of india startup ecosystem and just absolutely tremendous high impact businesses will be created across consumer companies marketplaces fintech saas direct to consumer brands among others I've, and the longer you wait the more time you are giving others to catch on to whatever you are thinking of building so um my my two cents to any aspiring entrepreneurs out there is just go just do it like there is no better time than now like and uh, trust me given i've been doing this for 13 years in india like i have not seen a better time uh, than now to start a company exciting just to close this awesome chat out uh, how do founders uh, founders uh, and sort of uh, co-investors or potential future founders find you and titan capital sure look given we are investing only our own capital we don't have any external money and uh, don't intend to mm-hmm. uh, we are very very fast in making our decisions so i feel founders need high quality capital but they also need it fast so that they can keep building so often we wired money into companies bank accounts within a week of meeting them and we have an incredible team who are very prompt very accessible both pre and post investment usually a decision to invest takes no more than a couple of 45 minute meetings one with our team and one with me and rohit so if you'd like to if anyone would like to reach out to our team they can go to titancapital.vc and uh, write a short note from there or just simply send an email to startups@titancapital.vc awesome on that note kunal wishing you and rohit the best at titan capital and uh, hope to uh, speak to you soon again thank, thank you. you for being here thanks sir it was great chat thank you cheers